Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, that you will um, speak to us from your heart. Lord, we are looking for what you want us to have, and that is happiness and joy in this world that seems to be pervaded with sickness and depression and addiction. And Lord, you are the answer to that. That has always been your desire for your children. I pray, Lord, that you will bless Renee and I as we talk, and each one of us who is here, that as we participate, that we will learn and grow closer to you, and that we will experience what your desire is for each one of us this morning. And as we uh, grow from this point forward, that we will hold on to you and grow to the extent that you want us to grow, that is eternally. This is not a short journey. This is an eternal one, and you will be with us every step of the way. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our whole series is of four talks that we're going to have. They will build on each other, and you will see that it is extremely practical, and we are basing it on this one sentence, which I mentioned this morning from Ministry of Healing, and it is, so here it is, the only security for any soul is? right thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Okay, so the word is, is the same as an equal sign. I was an English teacher for many, many years, and, uh, and so the, I would tell my students, if you're a math brain, think of an equal sign. So if I have two plus two, what do I have? Equals, four. there you go, okay. So here we have that the only security, right? The only security for any soul equals what? Right thinking. There you go. As a man thinketh in his heart, so equals is he. So you are what you, what? What you think. There you go. Okay. So have you wondered whether dogs actually think, right? And whether they could write. And... If they could write a diary every single day, what would this doggy diary look like? So based on a book that I read called Every Day Deserves a Chance, I was inspired and we are going to go through the diary of a dog for one day. Okay, let's go through it. What would it look like? At 8 o'clock in the morning... Oh boy, dog food, my favorite. At 9.30 a.m., oh boy, a car ride, my favorite. At 9.40, oh boy, a walk, my favorite. At 10.30 a.m., oh boy, another car ride, my favorite. At 11.30 a.m., oh boy, more dog food, my favorite. At 12 p.m., noon, Oh boy, the kids, my favorite. At one o'clock, the yard. Oh boy, my favorite. At 4 p.m., oh boy, the kids again, my favorite. At 5 p.m., oh boy, dog food again, my favorite. At 5.30 p.m., oh boy, mom, my favorite. At 6 p.m., oh boy, playing ball, my favorite. 8.30 p.m., Oh boy, sleeping in my master's bed, my favorite. Now, what would it look like if it was a diary of a cat? 
Day 283 of my captivity. <laughs> my captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. They dine lavishly on delicious food while I'm forced to eat dry cereal. I sustain myself by the hope of escape and the mild satisfaction I derive from, from ruining a few uh, pieces of furniture. Tomorrow I may eat another house plant. <laughs> I attempt to kill my captors this morning by weaving through their walking feet. Nearly succeeded. Must try this strategy at the top of the stairs. Seeking to disgust and repulse these vile oppressors, I once again induced myself to vomit on their favorite chair. Must try this on their bed. To display my diabolical disposition, I decapitate a mouse and deposit its headless body on their kitchen floor. They only cooed and condescended, patting my head and calling me a strong little kitty. Hmm. Not working according to plan. During a gathering of their accomplices, they placed me in solitary confinement. I overheard that my confinement was due to my power of allergies. Must learn what this means and how to use it to my advantage. I'm convinced the other household captives are flunkies, perhaps snitches. The dog is routinely released and seems naively happy to return. He is no doubt a half-wit. The bird speaks with the humans regularly. Must be an informant. I am certain he reports my every move. Due to his current placement in the metal cage, his safety is assured, but I can wait. It is only a matter of time. So, the day of a dog and the, and day, the day of a, of a cat. cat. One is content. The other conniving. One at peace. The other at war. One grateful. The other grumpy. The same house. Same circumstances. Same master. Yet two entirely different attitudes. So which life sounds more like yours? Were your private thoughts made public? How often would the phrase, oh boy, my favorite, appear? Here is a verse that can prime your brains to think like a dog rather than thinking like a cat. It's found in Psalms 118, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hey, love, I've got an idea. How about we ask for some volunteers to come up here and help us? Good idea. So here's my plan. Before you volunteer, or I volunteer you, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that when you come up here, you imagine that there's no one here except for you and God. So it could be this room. It could be in your shower. You could be sitting down. You could be standing up. It could be at the beach. Wherever you feel completely alone with God and you want to speak to him. Now, you don't know what the day is going to look like, but you're going to say this verse with faith. 
And so I want you to say it out loud or however you want to say it. You can change the wording so that you're speaking directly to God however you want to do it. Who wants to come up here and, and do that? Any of you? Just, yeah, come on up here. Thank you. I'm going to ask for two more. See, the gentleman is like, he's ready. Okay, ladies, don't let him overdo you there, okay? Okay, just before he goes, next, anyone else? Yes, come on up. And one more. Okay, before we go, I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves. First is? Hello, my name is Gil. Gil, go ahead. My name's Margette. Margette, okay. And? My name's Jason. Good. Okay. So, who do you think should go for it first? Gil, Margette, or Jason? Gil. Gil, okay. Because he went, he went up there first. But you know they say the first should be last and the last should be first. So, what do you think? Gil. Gil, okay. <laughs> His brother says. Okay. Okay, Gil, go ahead. You're on. So, <laughs> so this, is, this is not us. This is just you and God. And now you're talking to him in the morning and you're lifting up your voice to God and you're speaking to him. How are you doing it? Are you, are you on your knees? Are you, are you sitting? Are you standing? Are you at the beach? Imagine where you are. Are you in the shower? Where are you comfortable? Are you singing? So why did we do this little random exercise? Um, we did it because we, we are primed and programmed in this world that we live in to not think the things that God wants us to think, okay? So if we do not intentionally make a decision to express our faith early in the morning, and we do not make that decision to intentionally prime and program ourselves in the right direction, the world will prime and program us in a different direction entirely. That's mm -hmm. true. So we are being primed and programmed more than we realize to think in a certain way. And so every morning I have to ask myself this question. What is the first device I reach for when I wake up in the morning? Mm -hmm. Do I reach for my phone? Do I reach for my computer? Because once I open up that device, there are a thousand voices calling for my attention. <laughs> and those voices are trying to pry me away from God and trying to pry me to think in certain ways, <laughs> to buy certain products, to believe certain concepts. And sometimes it is so subtle Right? But sometimes it is in your face. Right? So. so here's what I've decided. And I've decided this a long time ago. That the first device I'm going to pick up at the beginning of every day is this device, the Word of God. And the first text I'm going to read is from the Scriptures. And so that's for the first hour. So I want to spend time with God my first hour. I'm going to have to make a decision the night before to get to bed on time. Uh, because I've got a lot of other things to do that day. I want to get some exercise in. I want to drink my water. I want to eat my breakfast before I go to work. And so I want to spend an hour with God. And that is a non-negotiable. How about you? Making that decision. There's something that happens to us. As soon as our feet hit the floor, it's like a herd of wild animals is coming in our direction. 
and you can't stop it. And so you want to hit the pause button and say, God, lead me in the right direction. Okay? So this is a good way of doing it, to get up in the morning and to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Now, it was interesting that Jason said, I should rejoice and be glad in it. And then he said, let me. This is exactly what the verse is. Mm -hmm. Let me. It's like giving God permission. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So you're saying, Lord, you're in control. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. Because things are going to happen today that may be things that I should rejoice about. They may be things that I'm not going to feel naturally to about rejoicing about, right? Like Jason's bus number 36 going by, right? (laughs) So for the rest of this presentation, this particular presentation, we're going to kind of be be, um, hitting you with all kinds of information about health and happiness. And these are from science and the Bible. And so what we want you to do is to use your mind to think of biblical examples. You can put up your hand. You can stop us at any moment. Um, mm-hmm. Things that, that, that connect with this. We're going to start off with a true and false question. And, um, and these true and false questions, there's only four of them. All of them will be answered at the end, but they'll be answered throughout. And so just think in terms of what would your answer be to these true and false questions. Okay, so the first one is um, happiness is good for you. True think about or it. false. Okay. And number two, many people do not know how to find happiness. <laughs> okay. Okay. And number three is you can find happiness. And the fourth one is your happiness can change others. Okay. So here's what the Bible says. Okay, for number one, the Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. So happiness is good for you. We heard a lot of you say true for number one, right? And we're going to elaborate more on that. And this is what it says in the Bible, that a merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit drives the bone. So here's what Science Daily says, that the white blood cells develop in the yellow bone marrow. So what do we know about white blood cells? So the white blood cells are probably the most important part of your immune system. And it turns out that white blood cells are actually a whole collection of different cells that work together to destroy bacteria and viruses. So when Solomon was talking more than a thousand years ago about this topic, I believe God inspired him and that he was saying, Mary Hart does good like medicine. So there's, there's, when you are happy, it goes right down to your very cells, mm-hmm. right? Right down to your bones. And it either makes you stronger, healthy, you know, physically, mm-hmm. or it dries up that bone marrow and it, it takes away from you. So happiness equals health mm-hmm. is exactly what the Bible is telling us. Now, what does science say? So look at this. In one study, researchers gave volunteers a survey to measure their levels of happiness. Then they injected them with the strain of the cold virus. 
And a week later, the individuals who were happier before the start of the study had fought off the virus much better than the less happy individuals. I really don't know if I'd want to be a part of this study <laughs> <laughs> intentionally here. You can, you can inject me with a flu virus. <laughs> but they didn't just feel better either, right? They actually had fewer um, objective symptoms. And so of this illness, that when they, that was measured by the doctors, so there was less sneezing, less coughing, less inflammation, and less congestion. So it's true. Happiness is good for you, okay? It's good for you. So we want to give you a few exercises to do. The first one, how to prime your mind in the right direction. Okay, and the very first way of priming your mind in the right direction is by singing, right? Ministry of Healing says, song is a weapon that we can always use against discouragement. As we thus open the heart to the sunlight of the Savior's presence, we shall have health and His blessing. There's a guarantee. Can you think of a story in the Bible where song was used as a weapon? David, very good. So David used it to do what? To, to soothe Saul. And Saul was going to kill him with his weapon, okay? That spear. And so he tried to kill him, but then by singing, it soothed his spirit. There's a place in the book Education where Ellen White says that when Jesus woke up in the morning, his voice could be heard singing. And when it did, it brought, it radiated light and the presence of good, happy angels felt, felt very comfortable in that presence and it dispelled darkness from the minds of the other workers. Do you know there's always a song in your mind? Have you noticed that? There's always a song in your mind and if there's no song in your mind, the devil will try and put one in there, okay? Have you noticed that? You get to the end of the day and it's like, what am I thinking, you know? Where did that come from? Okay, so that's one little exercise that you can do every single day to prime, prime your mind in the right direction. You don't have to sing that song, okay? I say to my students, you should sing a song every day. And then they say, sir, we should sing another one today. And I say, okay, okay, I don't mind. Yeah, let's do another one. And so we sing another one. Okay, the second thing is, um, is gratitude. Having an attitude of Gratitude. Right? So here's, here's the quote from Ministry of Healing, page 251. It says, Nothing tends more to promote the health of the body and of the soul than does a spirit of gratitude and praise. Okay? So here's what we wanted you to do. And this is something we used to do with our children every single day. We'd tell them in the morning to tell us as we were eating breakfast three things that they're grateful for, for and to do it at night at the end of the day. So, uh, as we were having worship, three things. So, I want you to take a moment right now to think of three things that you are grateful for. And as you write those things down, it's amazing how many times I have been inspired by this. When I was feeling kind of gloomy and you kind of feel down and you feel like, oh, things are just too much. And then I went for a run and then I thought, what am I thankful for? And I'm like, I'm thankful for my eyesight. There are other people who are blind, and I know that. I'm thankful that I can actually go for a run. What are you thankful for? So write those things down. Just three things. Do it real quick. You can do it on your device, or you can take out your pen and write it on a piece of paper, or you can even just do it in your mind. Just three things. 
here's from a study. You can continue with that. How happiness affects your health. Expressing gratitude is, demonstrate, is a demonstrated way of fostering happiness. Demonstrated. Researchers have found that people who regularly write down things which they are grateful, for which they are grateful in gratitude journals have increased satisfaction in life, higher energy levels, and improved health. So this is proven, and it's one of the, 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 the hallmarks of, of, uh, of happiness is like, this has been proven in science if you express gratitude, and yet Ellen White wrote about it a, lot time, a long time before it was shown by science. So which would you rather experience? Being happy and healthy or unhappy and sick? Of course you want to be. <laughs> there's, there's no question there, right? So here's another study. It says a sunny outlook could mean fewer colds and less heart disease uh, discovered in this one Harvard University study. Another uh, study um, that was researched, it was shows that unhappy employees take more sick days staying away an average of 1.25 more days per month or 15 extra days a year. That's a Gallup Healthways study. It's a well-being index. And so what you're talking about there is 15 extra days a year. That's 15 working days. That's three weeks off just because they're not feeling well and due to unhappiness. So data show that positive mood, optimism, and humor are linked to better health and well-being. Happier people can live longer, healthier lives. So this is from How Happiness Affects Your Health by Dr. Uh, you have the, the name on the board there. It's hard for me to say that. Okay, go ahead. Laura Kubzanski also is a Harvard Associate Professor of Society, Human Development, and Health. And she found that emotional vitality, a sense of enthusiasm, of hopefulness, of engagement in life, and the ability to face life stresses with emotional balance, appears to reduce the risk of coronary heart disease. The, prote the protective effect was distinct and measurable, even when taking into account such wholesome behaviors as not smoking and regular exercises. So that's saying that even with these other things, right? Even not smoking and, and exercising, when you are healthy, when you're happier, your emotional state affects your physical state. Mm -hmm. Further, it also affects your finances. One study found that how happy individuals were as college freshmen predicted how high their income was 19 years later, regardless of their initial level of wealth. I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, the Nun study. The Nun study was, was a just, just studying nuns who lived over a period of 70 to 80 years, and they just coded their journals. And those who, were, who had more happy comments in their journals lived up to an average of 10 years longer than those who had unhappy comments mm -hmm. in their journals. So which kind of people do you want to be around? 
Of course you want to be around happy people. And those are the kind of individuals who are actually promoting health for their bodies. Okay. So um, negative emotions also narrow our thoughts and range of actions, right? So think of that in terms of making money, right? <laughs> if, you're, if you're happier and your mindset is not so narrow, it's, it's open to opportunities, then of course you're going to be better off and uh, you're going to be relating better to other individuals as well. Mm -hmm. So positive emotions make, make us more thoughtful, more creative, and often uh, open to new ideas. That's incredible, right? Like more thoughtful, more open, so we become more creative, right? Not just that, but it floods our brains with dopamine and serotonin, which chemicals that not only make us feel good, but dial up the learning center of our brains to higher levels. So it's going to make us smarter, right? So are you convinced that happiness is good for you? Absolutely. Okay, here's a study that, that I thought was very, very fascinating. It says one study, uh, people who read a letter of appreciation to someone in their lives were measurably happier almost a month later. So here's what happened in this study. People were asked to write down a letter to someone. First of all, they had to think about someone who had done something nice for them. And they hadn't really thanked them properly. It could have been even a year, years ago or even a you know, short time ago. But whatever it was, and to write that letter, and here's the hard part, to go to that person and read the letter to them. And the letter should be no shorter than one page. Okay? In length, it could be longer, but no shorter than a page. About 300 words. About the size of the page. <laughs> What's the size of the page? Okay. About 300 words. Yeah, about right? 300 words. Yeah, 300 mm -hmm. words on the page. And so, what do you think happened every time they went and read these letters to these individuals? They became happier. They became happier, but they cried first. Aww. Every single time they wept. Because yeah. they're sharing with that person. And every time, it's very emotional. Mm -hmm. So, we want to give that to you as a challenge. Okay? To think of someone who you haven't thanked and write them a letter, this will work. This will work, I guarantee you. Every single time, every person who ever does this, it works. It increases their levels of happiness. And then you start thinking of people in terms of how grateful I am for them, and you go to them and you actually speak to them and encourage them. Very encouraging for them as well as for yourself. It's very a very impactful exercise. So yeah, we want to encourage you to do that. So people who express religious or spiritual faith also report being happier. Research shows that they have an improved sense of calm and wellness. Notice they had to express their faith to get the benefits, uh -huh. right? So how do you express your faith? Well. I'm going to give you some ways in which you can do that. I want you to focus on power promises. And then when you focus on them, so you could, I'm just giving you some that are on the screen here. One of them here is in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 7. And here Asa is speaking, and, and, uh, or the prophet is speaking to Asa, and he says to him, but as for you, he says, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Now, if someone said that to you at work, 
That would be very encouraging, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's a prophet of God who says that to you, wow. So take that and say, this is my promise. This is God. This is, Ellen White says, when you read the, the Bible, you should read it as, as God speaking to you personally, okay? And take it personal and express that faith. So here's another power promise. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we've looked at different ways to prime us to accept happiness and Mm -hmm. to be happy, right? The first one was, what did we all do together? Music, singing, singing. song is a weapon. And the second one was? Attitude of gratitude. gratitude. Very good. And so you wrote down your three things and we also encouraged you to write a letter of thank you to someone who has blessed you, right? Yeah. That is very impactful. And now the third thing is? Focus, focus on, on power, power promises. promises in the yeah. Bible. And this one here, Rejoice in the Lord Always, he's writing to the Philippians. Do you know where Paul was at the time? He was in prison. And so he was in prison. And in that book of Philippians, every time he says something about his negative situation, he says four times more something positive. So he outweighs the negative to positive four to one, which is, is, a, is a good ratio. We're going to talk about that next time. So those who in everything, isn't this beautiful? Those who in everything make God first and last and best are the happiest people in the world. This is from Messages to Young People, page 38. And look at this one in Ministry of Healing, page 251. It is a positive duty to resist. Did you want to say something? Sorry, could you just go through that list again? Yeah, sure. Singing was the first one. Song is a weapon. The next one was gratitude to to state your, Mm -hmm. your, make your gratitude list every single day. Okay, if there is so much research on that that has shown that if people do that for 30 days, the effect lasts up to, to six months, okay, half a year. So mm-hmm. it's amazing. So grat- attitude of gratitude, what was the third one? Power promises. We also asked you to write a letter, right, of appreciation Which to someone. Which goes with the attitude of gratitude. Attitude right? of gratitude, yeah. yeah, it does as well. Mm-hmm. And then? Focus on power Focus promises. On power okay, promises good. Is the third one. Yeah. Yeah. So third or fourth. Third. Okay. Attitude. Yeah. Okay. So. Good. So this one is a beautiful quote, uh, isn't it? Okay, from messages to young people. But this one is really. Um, it's a decision. Yeah. Yeah, that you have to make. It said it is a positive duty to resist melancholy discontented thoughts and, and feelings, feelings. <laughs> as much as a ma- as much a duty as it is to pray yeah. now <laughs> can you make a decision to pray yes. absolutely can mm-hmm. you make a decision according to this to resist those feelings of depression or discouragement yes it's, yeah. it's very good, yeah. So another word for grumbling would be complaining. Complaining, right? yeah. And so, the children um, of Israel seem to do that a lot. Have you noticed that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was reading, I, I mean, I've been reading my Bible every morning, and I, I started again in the Old Testament, and I was like, 
why do these guys keep grumbling? You know, so many good things are happening, and the next thing they're just like, oh, we're out of water. Okay. So, many people don't know how to find happiness. True or false? Well, let's take a look. There are many different ways. We're going to give you three different ways that most people try to find happiness. Okay? One of them is called the hedonist. And the hedonist is a lover of pleasure, right? He believes that happiness comes by enjoying the present while ignoring the negative results of his actions. He equates effort with pain and pleasure with happiness. So eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, or he kind of like, you only live once, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but your life is going to be short and it's going to be unhappy. <laughs> okay. But, you know, you're going to be pleasure right now. So Solomon kind of fell for that trap, didn't he? In uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, 1 and 2, it says, I said to myself, now here's Solomon. Was he wise? That's debatable, right? Okay, so God gave him a lot of wisdom. It's true. But he didn't use it right. He used it right when he was serving God. But when he started, you know, multiplying wives, you know, 300 wives and 700 concubines, even if he spent one day of the year, he couldn't visit all of them, right? He'd have to take at least three years. And, and he just started living for pleasure, right? There was gold like silver, you know, it was just everything was, was in excess. It says, and I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be what? Meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? He goes on in verse 10. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. Not wise. I withheld not my heart from any joy. He calls it joy. Okay? So here's the question. Does God want you to experience joy? Well, I believe so. Here's a verse from John chapter 15, verse 11. We're going to go into this one in detail a couple of times throughout this. On uh, tomorrow, Sabbath afternoon, it, you do not want to miss tomorrow afternoons. It is so good. Like what we're going to go through, it really takes apart this verse. It says, These things have I spoken unto you that, what does he say? My joy, this is Jesus speaking, my joy might be remain in you and that your joy might be full. So Jesus is actually giving his mission statement here, right here, very, very clearly. He says, I've, I'm, I came down to this world to give you these words so that my joy might be in you. So this, this book could basically be called a guidebook to happiness, mm -hmm. right? I, I came to bring you joy. So what if you decide I want to be happy because it's good for my health? Can people make themselves happy by choosing to be happy? So this professor, Professor Brett Ford, it's a lady from Berkeley, California, she wanted, it's a very simple question, isn't it? Can people make themselves happy by choosing to be happy? Or does trying consciously to make yourself happier actually works. Or she put it another way, if you decide today, now, to, uh, you decided, or sorry, to dedicate more of your life to deliberately seeking out happiness, would you actually be happier a week from now or a year from now? So you get the question? 
So they measured people's level of happiness to begin with, and then they, they asked them to decide. You're going to decide you are going to be happy. And then they measured this across different countries. And those countries were the United States and Canada. They were in the West and Japan and China in the East. And so if you decided to be happy, measuring your level of happiness at the beginning, and then you decided that you're going to become happy and you tried to make yourself happy, could you become happier over a period of time? So did their level of happiness go up? Those in the West... Was no. No. They could not. But those but in the East? Yes. So the big question then is why? Yeah. Why could those in the West who chose to be happy be happy? But those in the East... So now all of you are puzzled, right? You're looking at me like, what? <laughs> that, yes. Yeah, the so the people, yeah, in the world. So the, the countries in the West were Canada and the United States. The countries in the East were Japan and China, okay? They could have used other Asian countries. And here's what they found, that measuring their level of happiness to begin with, and then they said, you are going to intentionally decide to make yourself happier. Those in the West who intentionally tried to make themselves happier couldn't. In fact, their happiness scores went down after they tried to make themselves happier. But those in the... In the East, their happiness scores went up. Why? So here's, here's the difference. Would you say that they have two different cultures? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here's what they, they did different. to try and measure the different cultures. They showed them a picture like this, which is a picture of a leader standing up at the front, and they said, describe what you see. And those people in the West focused on the leader. They said he looks confident and he's strong and he's a good leader, he's positive, he's going to make the nation go somewhere. Whereas those in the East, they described the crowd. They hardly even mentioned the leader. That was very interesting. Then they were shown a picture like this. Is the one smiling happy or sad? So everyone around looks like they're sad and blue. And the person with the happy face or the smiley face, they're asked, is that person happy or sad? Those in the West said, Say, yes, he's happy. Wouldn't you? Right. Those in the East said, he can't possibly be happy. If all his friends are unhappy, he is not happy. He's only putting on a happy face. No, it's just fake. It's just a fake smile, right? So, yeah. So here's the, here's the difference. Those in the West had this attitude from all these studies, it's all about me. And so by focusing on me and saying, I'm going to make myself happy, did it work? No. Actually, it was contra. It made them sadder, <laughs> made them unhappy. Whereas those in the East said, it's all about <coughs> us. And so the attitude in the West was get, get kind of the attitude of the mall, right? <laughs> Going to the shopping mall, get, get, right? As much as you can. Actually, Ellen White says that that is the attitude or the, the motto of hell. That's pretty scary, isn't it? Whereas... In the East, there was an attitude of give, give. Give, give. Right? And so, this is the whole principle. Less me and more... We. 
So can you find that principle in the Bible? In Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. He says just before that, consider others as more important than yourself. Isn't that incredible, right? Although he was in the, in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, right? So he put us first. I love this quote from Steps to Christ. It says, Happiness that is sought from selfish motives outside of the path of duty is ill-balanced, fitful, and transitory. That means it's short-lived. It passes away. And the soul is filled with loneliness and sorrow. But there is joy and satisfaction in the service of God. God. Isn't that amazing? So we're going to see that. We're going to build on that principle Mm -hmm. over and over again. And you're going to see how this is is really just in the center of the scriptures and in the center of the message of of connecting with Christ. This is not just a a seminar about how I can make myself happy. No, 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 no. no. This is how you can serve Christ and have Christ in your heart and overflowing out to others. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's another way in which people try to make themselves happier by becoming a rat racer. You know what a rat? Yes, go ahead. Yes. What is true happiness? What is true happiness? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is something that researchers have a hard time pinpointing. It, they've come down to this idea of well-being. Okay? Maybe that's a, a better way of putting it. And so how do, you, how do you promote well-being? Well, those people in the East, they were looking at their well-being is connected with your well-being. So I am not, I am not happy if you're not happy, in other words. So I'm putting you above myself. And, and I'm putting your happiness as, you know, the, the measure of my happiness or my satisfaction. So you think of Jesus. It says, for the joy, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So the joy that was set before him to get there, what was the joy? It was us, right? The joy that was set before him was us being saved. And he went through that experience so that we would be with him eternally. What are you without people you love? Right? right? Mm-hmm. What are you without people you love? No, no person is an island. No person can do it on their own. Just try it. You'll be unhappy, right? It's you need people, right? There's, there's this place in Desire of Ages where it says, Jesus was possessed of one purpose. He lived to bless others. One purpose, right? That was his purpose. He lived to bless others. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.